In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This passage of Scripture, read in today's Gospel, is one of the passages of Scripture that has dramatically changed for me as I became a parent. It should dramatically change for anyone who knows a child two years old and younger. It is a heart-rending passage of Scripture, and I think that because we hear it so often, it loses some of the horror of what is said in this gospel passage. When we think of Christmas, we think of Silent Night. We think of beautifully decorated churches. We think, well, of the decorations we see around us. We think of Christmas parties. And it's good that we celebrate because something important happens. But we have to remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ was not greeted happily by all. It wasn't. Just as much as Mary burst into song, so too the parents of Bethlehem burst into tears. Herod was a man who meant business. Herod was also a man who was insecure about his position. He knew he had no right to be on that throne. He was a puppet king set up by Rome and had no relation whatsoever to the throne of David. And he knew it. And word came to him from the Magi, Congratulations, Herod! Where's the baby? What baby? And it says he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him because this child... This child, this threatening king, this newborn, this two-year-old, threatened civil war, threatened riots, threatened everything they've seen before. Every time a Messiah came up, there was problems. So Herod's first plan is to be deceptive. To send the Magi. What's the life of one child compared to civil war? The ends justify the means, at least in Herod's mind. But the Magi don't come back. They're warned by God and they flee by another way. And Herod is enraged. And in his anger, in his impatience, in his frustration, he lashes out and does the unthinkable. Kills every child, every male child, two years and under. And this year I am very mindful that's the age of my little boy right now. It's a hard passage. Then as today, in many parts of the world, actually probably in all parts of the world, 
When people fight, the least and lowest, the most innocent, are usually the most victimized. It's usually those who have no voice for themselves that are the ones that suffer the most. There are many parts of our world that are still torn apart by war and many parts of the world where children still are the chief victims. There's no question. Still here. It's still true. And it seems in this story, at least at first glance, Jesus seems to completely escape. And one of the questions that's often asked of clergy is, why on earth does Jesus get to get out of it when all the children of Bethlehem don't? It seems unfair. It seems unjust. And it is. What happens is unjust. Children should never suffer for the sins of the adults. But they do. All the time. But it's also to remember that Jesus is not running away. The angels do not command Joseph to take the child away from the suffering of Bethlehem, but toward it. Remember that this two-year-old boy who's being guarded and shepherded and run away by Joseph and Mary, every breath of his life, every first step he makes, every word he learns to speak, draws him one step closer to Mount Calvary. For that is where he is going. He's not going away from the suffering of the people of Bethlehem. He is going toward embracing it. He is saved for a time that he may embrace fully the suffering of every human being who has ever lived or will live. Jesus doesn't run from it but runs straight to the cross. That he may not only console the parents of Bethlehem, but that he may feel their pain as his own. That it may die with him on the cross, and it may rise, he may rise again. He's not running. And he gives us an example of what he calls all of us to do in our life as his followers. Jesus does not run from difficulty, he does not run from pain, but runs headlong into it, directly at it, not missing a step. When someone is in pain, Christ reaches out relentlessly. We are called to do the same. I've said many times before, Jesus gives the worst recruiting speeches ever. He does. Follow me and be hated by all for the sake of my name. Take up your cross and follow me. Remember, in his day and age, that's akin to saying, take a seat next to me on the electric chair and throw the switch. And yet that's precisely what he calls us to do. That's precisely what he calls us to emulate, is not to run. Not to run away, but go headlong. As he went to Calvary, we go too. To take up our cross and follow him. That sign of death and shame is now for us the name of this building which has been consecrated to the glory of God. That instrument, which was an instrument of shame and death by Rome, was used for the power of Christ's resurrection. It was used that all evil might die there, that he might rise again. It was used that those who weep over the dead children of Bethlehem and over every child that is cut short, whose life is cut short, 
It is there that that grief meets the hands of Christ and the feet of Christ. It is there that our tears pour into his heart. It is there that our sorrow is poured out and pressed into his head. It is there that every grief we endure, every hardship this world has known, is pressed into him that it may die and that he may rise and we with him. But my brothers and sisters, it gives us a charge as well. It gives us a purpose. This church is here in this area of the city for a reason. God has put us here for a purpose. We are surrounded by many who are in pain and sorrow. We are surrounded by many who do not have what they need. And if we see it, we are to run toward it, not away from it. This church must always be a place where the poor are fed. This church must always be a place where those who are cold are clothed. This church must always be a place where people who are unloved are loved. This church must always be a place where people find Jesus Christ. That is why we are here. That is why God has put us here. Not to run from conflict, not to make it go away, but to run toward it. With everything we have, with our whole heart and our whole self, not counting the cost. And therein is the difference. Herod counted the cost. We can't. We can't afford to. The world we are in cannot afford for us to count the cost. We must follow with everything we have and pour our whole heart and life into following God who loves us. The life of a Christian means no holding back. So, in this area of the city, if you see someone in need, run toward them. In your own lives, friendships, and homes. If something is broken, do not run away from it, but run toward it. Do what you can to make it whole. Do what you can to proclaim the love of God. If you see someone who is pushed to the side, cast down and pushed out, if you see someone being bullied, whether by word or by, by action, do something about it. Run toward it as Christ runs toward you. For he will never stop in his love for you. Whether you stop loving him, he will not stop loving you. Follow his example. Let this place always stand as the place where God's love is made known, where those in need can come, where those who need to be prayed for receive prayer and care. Let this place stand dedicated to the cross of Jesus Christ. For it is also past the cross that we find resurrection. Amen.